0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 60 for Monday, October 7th, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, who you may know better as Piston Door Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir.
1: I don't know if I can really live up to that name at this point. Uh, I don't think the nickname is going to stick, much like all of the pistons that I've been using for the last little while. Uh, but we have a guest with us today. Speaking of redstone and excitement, we have Impulse SV joining us. Excited to have Impulse on the show. You may know him from his YouTube channel Impulse SV, which has just passed three hundred thousand subscribers. Congrats! You may know him from the Hermitcraft server. He does redstone tutorials. More recently, a Skyblock series with his longtime collaborator and friend Skizzleman. And he has recently moved to. Twitter from where he would normally stream on Mixer. So twitch.tv slash sv is the place to find him. Get this man his partnership ASAP. Impulse, <laughs>
2: welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that introduction and, and all the plugs happening straight away. I like that.
0: <laughs> it was great to join you both.
2: We're all business here, yeah. <laughs> I guess so, I guess so. Yeah, so this is actually the first podcast that I've ever been part of, I've ever done myself. Uh, in fact, I've never really been a podcast guy. So when I was contacted about maybe joining you guys, I was like, what is this about? And I started, you know, checking out the show, listening to it. And uh, I found myself actually listening to your podcast. I think it was with Green while I was in the middle of working on my last Minecraft episode. And it was just great. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so nice to just listen to people talk about Minecraft and how, you know, two people that have a passion for the game so much and just, you know, be playing the game myself. So. After realizing how awesome that experience was, I was like, "Yes, I'm in. I want to be part of this." So, uh, but fair warning, it is like time zones are you know a thing. It's super early for me. I guess not super early, but say like eight in the morning. So I'm still working on my morning coffee. So if you hear me sipping, you know, in the background. <laughs> I um I'll do my best not to turn this into some weird ASMR podcast, you know. So <laughs> there, there is a
1: fair amount of sipping that takes place on this podcast anyway. I've okay. always got at least one cup of tea in front of me, if not okay. several. So people yeah, I, w- I was
2: wondering if we were going to hear some random sips throughout, and, and I'm, I'll definitely be one of them as I'm working through this coffee, trying to get caffeinated mm. for the day. But uh, yeah, anyway, thank you for yeah mentioning you. You just mentioned I moved to Twitch, which has been an exciting journey. We can probably talk about more later on in the show. Um, and just last week, actually, I met the requirements to apply for partnerships. So uh, hopefully it comes through sometime soon. We're Just waiting on, on Twitch to approve
0: that application. So we'll see. It's I'm exciting. sure
1: it is only a matter of time, only a matter of time.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. Well, normally, this is where we kick things off and talk about what we have been up to in Minecraft the last little while. And as per usual form, we're going to go with guests first. So Impulse, what have you been up to in Minecraft?
2: Ah, oh, okay. I gotta go first. So I just had a pretty busy weekend with releases. Um, I released on Saturday a new Hermitcraft episode, which took me way longer than I was anticipating. Uh, you know, life sometimes gets in the way of being able to get done what we are hoping to get done in a week. And uh, the episode I was hoping to have out mid last week actually got pushed all the way to Saturday. Uh, but in that episode, I was able to finish my Perfection mini game, which is uh, pretty redstone intensive. Luckily, I didn't have to talk in the hippie voice this time around. So. <laughs> that was so good,
1: though. Like, I really, really enjoyed that episode. The The amount of, like, shenanigans, the, the the hot potato game on Hermitcraft is what sort of forced you into doing that. And I feel like it adds so much interesting stuff to, like, just a, a weird, like, left turn element into an episode. The same way that I think it was Stress Monster had to come up with, like, her own theme tune or something for an episode. It's just stuff that you wouldn't think of doing otherwise. So, Yeah, uh, ex-
2: exactly. Exactly. I mean, a lot of us we've been we've been doing these let's plays for a long time. So to add in a little extra flavor that's unique is is always fun and we're always trying to think of ideas like that. And this hot potato game is just uh, you know, a unique idea that we're having a lot of fun with. Even though the punishments sometimes are a bit uh, cringeworthy, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, no, still a lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, so I was able to finish that Perfection minigame. I'm looking forward to seeing some some hermits play it. It's uh, I, I didn't try to charge for it or anything like that. I just thought it might be a bit of fun for them and a bit of easy content for them just to just come in and I want to see how good they are. I might have to make some tweaks to the game if they're too good at it, but we'll see. <laughs> and uh, and then I'm working kind of my big project right now, now that we're kind of past the the hippie versus Area 77 Deal is is I'm back in what I call the lag district, and this is something that Tango and I had been working on um, earlier in the season, and just trying to create these massive farms. Uh, You know, my whole end game is to be able to to trade with the trader with the villagers as much as possible with every kind of resource possible, Uh, and so I'm working on on massive farms to allow me to do that, and that's how this lag district came about because all these farms are just so big that they they make the whole district like super laggy. So at least when they run. So yeah, trying to clean that up, and and hopefully, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see maybe Tango's face around the server a little more in the, the upcoming weeks. Who knows? So but, I've heard. Uh, so I've heard. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's, exciting there's, to there... see
1: people coming back to Hermitcraft lately. There's been a few people who've you know been away for a little while and have rejoined, and it feels like the band is getting back together, as it were.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and Tango, you know, I, I don't want to steal a thunder or anything, but he did a live stream where he was kind of saying, Hey, I'm thinking about coming back and all that kind of thing. I want to get, get you know, back to see what's going on and get back and in, involved. So we'll see. He's on, uh, he's just finishing up a vacation right now. So we'll see what he does. I'm, I'm excited to, if you know, Tango's uh, has always been my buddy. Uh, so from before Hermitcraft, so a chance to be able to, to collab and play again with, with him on the hermitcraft server is going to be amazing so looking forward to that and hopefully he'll uh, help me out with this lag district <laughs> so, some, <laughs> some of the some of the stuff are there is his so i've
0: uh, just been trying to keep it up to date for him but well this anyway is, yeah that was go ahead well, so this is one of the longest seasons of hermit hermitcraft so far yes. i think is it not yeah
2: yeah it is definitely um and and we we don't plan on any anytime soon either so um, we're just having such a good time. You know, everything's flowing right now and, and everybody's still very inspired. Uh, you know, people have come and gone, but that's that's normal, right? Um, we all get burnt out on things. so And sometimes other things need to take precedence if, if you know, they're not what's needed for, you know, your YouTube channel or, or just yourself in general and your mental uh, health. So, yeah, we've seen some hermits come and go. And right now it's, it's feeling really good. Everybody's kind of like really... Re-energized about the season coming, you see people coming back, um, new collaborations forming, new storylines forming, all this kind of thing, and so uh, we're just having a really good time with it. We we talk to each other and we say, is there any reason to end the season soon? And pretty much unanimously, we say, no. Let's just keep mm-hmm. it rolling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this has become a long season for us.
1: I think the next update being relatively light, but also quite heavy on bug fixes, is also contributing to people thinking well we don't need to reset the server quite yet because effectively you're going to be working with the same content. Like one of the major reasons I think to reset a world, aside from just people feeling burnt out and needing something fresh and a fresh start, is so you can bring yourself closer to whatever the latest update has brought. Like, So this world for Hermitcraft started with the update Aquatic, right? With Mm 1.13. And so it was like, we're going to pick a big island, so we're surrounded by ocean, we get all that good, good ocean content, we have turtles nearby and coral reefs and all that kind of stuff. And then it kind of evolves as the updates evolve, and as long as you've got an area where you're like, okay, this area hasn't been generated yet, so if we want anything new, we can go there. And with 1.15, all we're getting is really bees... There doesn't really seem like a need to like completely reset the entire world just so a couple of beehives will spawn. <laughs> it's always stuff that you can just bring back and use in the current world you've got set up in the current areas you like to build in,
2: yeah, exactly. I think we were pretty smart about how we prepared for one fourteen by you know doing the world border and and nobody was was going up there, basically. And so when one fourteen came out, we were able to just expand into the new hermitland and have you know the one fourteen generation and content up there as well so there was no reason to really reset the server at that point and like you said 115 mainly just bug fixes there's there's nothing big coming that we feel reset for and 116, you know we'll talk about that later but uh, that that definitely could be something to look at you know at that point in time but I mean we're talking I don't know how long six months at least probably for that so yes,
1: yeah, at least I expect yeah with uh 115 is supposed to be due out around the time of the holidays and yeah who knows when the nether update will arrive after that but we'll see We'll see, yep. um, Joel. What have you been up to in Minecraft this week? How's uh, the Citadel going?
0: Actually, you know, it's been pretty light. Um, I've got a, a, a comic convention at the end of the month, and I have a lot of work and stuff happening. I'm actually doing some some commissions for some Minecraft-related stuff right now, which is fantastic. Uh, but as a result, I haven't had the big chunks of playtime. I've been in game, but it's been very small bits, like morning coffee, 20 minutes, uh, setting stuff up to do AFK while I do other things, just because i was like, well, I'm home, I can have the game running on like my laptop or something and I can just sit there and let things smelt or just kind of essentially kind of prep for the next time I stream because some of the things that I've been doing have been like you know nether tunnels that require just a lot of three or four different kinds of blocks as you repeat a pattern. Uh, so I've been kind of, uh, just jumping in, doing like little 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, restocking the old traveling ender chest full of shulker box goodies, things like sand, glass, nether brick, you know, uh, making concrete off camera, (laughs) just because I always Mm -hmm. feel kind of bad when I'm doing a stream. It's like, and we're going to make 12 stacks of concrete right now. So what, what's everybody doing? (laughs) How's life? You know, as you sit there and mine for days. Um, but I've been enjoying it. Actually, it's been a different, it's been a different, um, I guess feel to just kind of like jump in jump out feel like you played the game scratch that minecraft itch but you've only lost 20 minutes of your day so in a way uh it's it's been kind of good you know in that regards and actually i have a question for both of you um how do you manage your video content as with big builds like when it comes to um the the clips and stuff because that's the other thing that i've been doing is i i for those that don't know i don't record separately i stream on twitch and then i take the vod and i chop that up into something usable uh several times during the stream you might catch me doing like an intro or an outro or a little blurb about something um to have those clips for later but i still have these giant you know things these chunks to go through but i'm like running out of hard drive space i'm i have this great big project and this is specifically what i mean this nether farm this this fortress farm there's just so many weeks that i've done streams about this and i'm starting to forget like what i've done and where the good clips are so when you guys are working on big projects and impulse we can start with you how do you approach your like your video generation like do you do do more updates do you do you just kind of like record big long chunks and then chop them up later like how do you approach that
2: Yeah. So when I, it's, this is one of the toughest questions actually as a content creator to, to, this is a tough nut to crack, if you will. Um, the way I look at it, there's, there's three different ways to go about, you know, how you produce the content that's coming out of doing something that's going to take you a long time or be really big build. I like doing time lapses, even though as a content creator, that means I just spent hours upon hours building something that ended up being a minute of video footage. Um, but it, for some reason, I love that presentation a lot better because if it's especially a big build, you're pulling the camera back, you're getting people a chance to see all that work happening in a quick manner. All right. And it, it just feels impressive to me. And then when we put, you know, whether you're a music person, I like putting music to it. I know some of the other guys, they like talking over, over it and explaining things, um, you know, so there's different ways to do that. That's typically my go-to style. I, I've tried the you know, let's do progress update clips, and it always just felt a little awkward to me, you know, I, you know, place blocks for an hour, come back and say, here's the blocks I placed, and then I'm going to go do more. And I, you know, so it felt a little repetitive, a little awkward to me. So I've typically avoided that style. And then the third kind of way that I've seen people do it is they just chat while they're placing the blocks, right? Uh, So they hit record, they're placing the blocks for hours on end, and they're chatting, and then they cut up kind of the best parts. Now, For me, I'm not really good at multitasking as far as like, placing blocks and thinking of entertaining things to say at the same time. So that never really worked out for me either. I'm just not that big of a talker, you know, you see some people like our masters at it, like Wells Knight, for instance, is really good at being able to just carry on conversation whilst building something. Um, I don't know how he does it. He's he's a genius, but um, yeah. So I typically go with the time lapse thing, even though it, it results in the least amount of video uh, out of the you know progress that I've made. But that's usually my go-to.
1: I really like being able to do time-lapse stuff as well like especially with the replay mods you and I both use the replay mod impulse pretty Mm -hmm. extensively when it comes to time-lapse stuff and it just makes everything feel a little bit more cinematic and you can do much more with that than you can with just a simple spectator account logged in and pointed towards the build so I, I really enjoy making stuff like that typically though when I make my stuff because the survival guide series I'm focusing on right now is so tutorial focused I typically don't include stuff in the video if it isn't You know heading towards some specific kind of lesson or something i don't necessarily think of them as lessons but if i'm not showing somebody something that i feel like is interesting or something they haven't seen before or something they wouldn't have considered about the game then it typically i cut away and then i'll come back when i say right well this is finished and here is how i've done this and why i've done this so i take a mixture of approaches i think sometimes it's time lapses sometimes it's cut away and come back and explain what i've done And uh, sometimes I do some of that stuff on streams, like right now I'm spending occasional streams building up this giant city that I really feel like I don't have much else left to teach about building in this particular style, so a lot of that can just happen in the background. It can happen on streams when the chat is there with me and we're just talking about whatever, Mm. and if I've got a build style I can stick to, then I can do the thing of mindlessly placing blocks, but... Uh, it's funny. Wells' night was also one of the <laughs> one of the people I thought about immediately of just being like, you can fill episodes of just like entertaining discussion and asking people in the comments what they think, and then that feeds back into the content for the next video. But like you, mm-hmm. impulse, I'm I can't necessarily sustain that over multiple episodes, and it starts to feel a little bit more like a let's play series and a little bit less like a tutorial series, the kind of thing that I'm doing. So right. I'm I'm already walking that line <laughs> at this point. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I will I will typically yeah I'll I'll tend towards the time lapse if. I feel like I can. And sometimes doing time lapses on stream is even possible, but then that's also thinking about, oh, well, I've got to be building the same thing for this amount of time rather than procrastinating and going and like messing with something else like I might do on stream where I'm bouncing back and forwards between a couple of things. A time lapse is a lot of focused effort on a single project. And sometimes that's just not where my brain is at. So sometimes I want to do a time lapse of something and it turns out that either I can't or I wouldn't get the project finished all in one go. So doing a time lapse of like half a build doesn't quite seem like the right way to go. So it varies mm. really.
0: The, the approach that I've taken, uh, unfortunately more recently than I should have is that when I'm doing the more mundane stuff, the, the, the large chunks that I have to cut out of these streams, like say slabbing the nether to spawn proof it for this fortress farm, I've just taken it upon myself to decide like when I approach a stream, this is going to be a non-used stream for YouTube, like the whole thing. So I don't have to worry about going through it and trying to find the bits that work. I just say like, nope, this whole two hours or whatever I'm doing, I'm just not going to put anything in a YouTube video. So then I don't have to try and decipher it later. Uh, Unfortunately, I got probably about halfway through august well sorry it's now october halfway through september with my recordings before i realized oh that's the approach i should have <laughs> so yeah. i've got i've got some larger streams that i have to go through and kind of chop up because i've been spending too much time in the editing room you know to try and sort things out and i'm trying to kind of streamline the process but no i appreciate that that's that's great um johnny what have you been up to in uh, in minecraft especially I'm, I'm very curious about about this this blue nether wart thing i saw the yeah clip.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I got a little impatient after they announced all of the stuff at Minecon last week, and I kind of went, well, there's some materials that look sort of similar to how they have designed these blue netherwarp forests, which are obviously still a work in progress, so a lot of the stuff they showed at Minecon could change, but that to me was the standout, the highlight really, of Minecon, was seeing the new biomes they plan to put into the nether, and these blue netherwart forests, I thought, well, I could recreate that with a couple of sort of cyan and blue blocks. So I put in some prismarine as a floor to kind of emulate that mossy, weird blue carpet that they have. And I made some netherwart looking trees out of uh, blue concrete powder and cyan wool, I think. And I just threw together an example biome to give people an idea of like, this is what it's going to look like flying through the nether and seeing one of these things for the first time and obviously i sort of ran out of materials and i didn't build a particularly big biome but it was really fun to say to, to show people well if you're impatient for this kind of stuff i always see i i see a trend of people once they know what the next content is the next update to minecraft that's coming they tend to almost get discouraged with their existing worlds like they're not gonna have those features for a while so they just kind of shut down minecraft and wait for the new stuff to come around and i kind of take the opinion of well you could probably recreate some of that stuff in minecraft now with your own creativity and work with some of the stuff that we can expect to see in future already just by applying some of the blocks we already have and i've got so much prismarine from a guardian farm that i was struggling for stuff to do with it so it seemed like the perfect fit my one complaint is that you can't waterlog blocks in the nether naturally because you're not allowed to have water in the nether but it meant i couldn't keep red coral alive for long enough to emulate the kind of red grass that they had growing up in those biomes so i took a screenshot of it where i basically spammed a bunch of coral plants in there and had to hit f2 really fast before they all died (laughs) (laughs) so i felt kind of bad about that but it was uh yeah it was a fun project to do aside from that yeah i've been like joel said in the intro working on my first self-designed 3x3 piston door and one of the things i'm trying to do with this series is not follow anybody's tutorials unless it's something i absolutely could never figure out at all myself like um nembon's Ender Mini enderman farm for example is something that i never would have in a million years dreamed up myself but it was just the perfect thing for the job uh, but this 3x3 this three three piston door just uses a bunch of note blocks and observers to trigger pistons around it and it's one of those old school kind of etho doors where it doesn't have a middle block so you don't have to have a, a double extender to pull the block out of the middle, it's just got a glass pane in there and the glass pane detaches from all of the blocks around it so it takes up a really minimal space and you can just walk through it nice and easily without having to move that block in the centre uh the rest of this week is going to be raid week i've decided that i'm finally going to tackle some stuff like raid farming i know there are a lot of good designs out there for that stuff uh yesterday or today i guess at the time of this recording i uh uploaded a video where i was taking on a raid in the end i built a village in the end ages ago and i had heard through the grapevine that you could still do pillager raids if you just went out to the end with bad omen and so i did one of those and it was really fun taking on a pillager raid in the end because pillagers wouldn't spawn there naturally so super fun Mm. to uh to to see what that looked like i did another version of that on stream where again i recorded it with replay mod and i've turned it into more of a cinematic uh version that's going to go out in tomorrow's episode so excited to show people that but then the rest of the week is going to be messing with pillagers basically is the subtitle for it i'm uh, messing around with like how to you know manipulate the position of where raiders spawn so that you can yeah effectively farm loot from raids and then i'm probably going to look at like pulling ravages out of raids so you can use them for other stuff like nano crop farms like the one doc m had on hermitcraft a little while ago And uh, what else was I going to do? Oh yeah, friendly pillagers as well. Ever since Cubfan posted a video about those, I've always found that a very amusing concept that you can have pillagers wandering around without their crossbows. So I'm looking forward to taking on that. So messing with pillagers is definitely
2: the theme of the week for me. Fun. Yeah, some interesting stuff there. Also the three by three piston door. I mean taking on some redstone that's that's pretty brave man i i do my
1: best i do my best it's it's always a battle against uh the kind of i won't say negativity but the opinions that people have in the comments that typically are like you know you could have done this better you could have done this easier there are other designs out there why didn't you just look one of those up and i see the point in a lot of that because there are some really great door designers out there i mean you only have to scroll back through somebody like mumbo jumbo's tutorials and people even like There are even people who disparage Mumbo's reputation as a door builder at this point, but I feel like he is one of the most popular examples of... He's got tons and tons of piston door tutorials, a lot of which are very impressive. But I just kind of go, if I don't build it for myself, if I don't puzzle through it all myself, then I'm not going to understand how to use those mechanics elsewhere. So, you know, if if I just rebuild somebody else's tutorial block for block, I'm not going to understand what's going on. I'll just be able to effectively copy somebody else's homework. I want to be doing the homework myself, which is something I probably should have done when I was in school. But uh, now (laughs) as an adult with some perspective, I'm learning.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to go about it, I think. It's, it's, It's a lot easier to learn when you're trying to, you know, you're smashing your head against the wall at first, of course. But then by the end of it, you actually understand the mechanics of it. I mean, to be honest, uh, the whole piston door thing is, it, it, you know, everybody knows me as a redstone. That's one redstone thing that I never actually got into, um, you know, designing piston doors was never really my thing. I've always been a, a farming kind of player. Uh, so I, I'm still kind of confused. <laughs> some of the piston door designs that I've seen even as a, a redstoner myself. And yeah. I, and the other thing you mentioned is, is when you do redstone, you, you get that community that says, you know, you know, why don't you just use oh, mangoes or nimbons or, or Mumbo's, um, you know, theirs is better, you know, type thing. And and that's the that's the one thing that's always been kind of tough as a redstoner, right? Because there's always going to be that argument of efficiency. You know, yeah. oh, you could have you could have compacted that or you could have made it faster, or or that, you know, all those all those things come to light when you when you do these things. And for me, that's not what Minecraft's about. Um, I, I do enjoy efficiency, but it's it's about the fun of the whole process of designing. You, you, like you did your own, right? The, the process of designing your own thing is fun, you know, to copy somebody else's just because it's the best. Uh, you know, if you're going to use it in an interesting way, I guess is, is it makes it fun. But I would rather come up with something that's fun and less efficient than just copy somebody's design because it's the the best one on the market you know yeah so it's it's always
1: going to feel more individual that way it's always going to feel like something that you can be proud of because you came up with it from start to finish I think, and it also avoids arguments of plagiarism, especially when I'm making a (laughs) tutorial series and I'm just copying other people's tutorials, that just seems like I'm profiting off of their content. And I I don't ever want to have that vibe around the YouTube stuff that I make, but more more than anything, I think it's just wanting to learn more about the game and feeling like I can learn by making mistakes and puzzling my way through it instead of just copying everything else block for block.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think we can move on into the very light news this week. Uh, Minecraft Snapshot 19w40a was put out, and the one feature listed is that parrots can now sit on player's shoulder while riding uh, mine minecarts, boats, horses, all of the above. I'm not really sure. I saw it in a boat working just fine. Um, I'm actually quite happy about that, because previously you kind of had to just hope the parrot teleported back to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after you captured it. Uh, there's a number of bug fixes. We'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, but a few uh, worthy of note are uh, mobs can no longer spawn on jack-o'-lanterns and redstone lamps and I went wait what they could before Um, Mm -hmm. but apparently (laughs) that's been changed Uh, some blocks and entities are redundant or sorry rendered transparent when looking at them from certain angles this is really trippy if you've seen this in any videos and it looks like they're going to fix that too Uh, block animations are way, way too fast so a couple of Snapshot videos that I saw previously things like fire water nether portals were animating it like twice or four times as fast as they normally do uh, So it looked really kind of strange um, so all, all of these things are just kind of pointing towards the the bug fixes that they're focusing on with the uh, 1.15 update coming out later this year. We hope knock on wood um, I don't really have anything to add about about the snapshots. Uh, I'm curious though impulse you're doing a snapshot series right now with skyblock, right? yes yeah uh
2: skyblock in minecraft 1.15 uh (laughs) it was the idea and to to be honest i haven't updated our world in the last three snapshots oh wow because it was bug fixes pretty much only and those bugs that they were fixing wasn't anything that we were running into uh ourselves so there wasn't any reason for me to update but we are running 1.15 um, you know, I guess I was hoping there would be, when, when we started the series, we didn't know what 115 was going to bring. Uh, as soon as, as soon as the snapshot came out, the first one had bees in it and we had no idea if they were going to introduce butterflies next or, or what, you know? Uh, so we started the world with, with high hopes of, of it bringing, you know, some new 115 content and, you know, brought the bees and, and that's about it. Uh, uh, the bugs are great. You know, I, I'm all for fixing bugs in Minecraft. It's, it's definitely something that's very needed. I'm glad that they're taking the time to do it. But as far as producing content in one fifteen, there hasn't been much there. So you know, we've been focusing on, you know, getting just the the skyblock experience. So we're doing vanilla, it's vanilla skyblock um, with data pack modifications to uh, allow for drops and things like that can al- that allow you to progress your world in a in a better way. So, for instance, uh, zombies have a chance of dropping gravel, husks have a chance of dropping sand, things that you can't typically get in skyblock. Um, I guess now you could use the Wandering Trader for some things, but uh, not everything. So it, it's been a fun experience. And to be honest, we're, we haven't really even done much with the bees yet um, because we started from scratch. And so we have to get Silk Touch to move the uh, the bee nests around and things like that. But um, it's 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 been going well. It's been going well. I do wish that they had added a little more than the, just the bees, but um, it's still fun.
1: Are there any bugs in 1.14 right now outside of the Skyblock world, say on Hermitcraft? Are there any bugs that are really irritating to you right now? What are you hoping that they end up fixing ultimately with 1.15?
2: Yeah, so I'm seeing with the the recent snapshots that are working on the rendering piece, right? Um, So it seems like they're redoing the rendering engine that caused some glitches as far as uh, things being transparent and things like that. So I know they're doing work there in Hermitcraft right now. I have a hard time just flying around the world. Uh, I'll be flying, and then all of a sudden, just void basically in front of me. I have no idea if I'm going to smack into a mountain or what. So it feels like 114 is definitely still chugging along. You know, having a hard time with that rendering system, and just it's it's a bit slower, right, for everything to process. And so I'm really hoping, crossing my fingers, I'm really hoping that they they get that that kind of fixed and get that going smooth again.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It's it's. It's been like rendering since 1.14 remember when 1.14 prime came out and like some chunks just weren't loading at all in the player's view and there was like flickering stuff all over the place and some some servers weren't even going to update until there were a couple of iterations on 1.14 and everyone was like okay we we're, we're good now we can we can actually yeah. play in this version again so yeah hopefully they continue to improve on that I have seen a couple of snapshot videos where people have pointed out you know weird stuff about rotating stuff like when you broke a block then the block breaking animation was playing relative to the player's position instead of like where it was on the block so you're getting some stuff that was like breaking from the side all weird looking which is kind of kind of hilarious but yeah there's there's some bugs that are just kind of wacky but in the end you're like that just doesn't look like minecraft anymore with some of the, the the ways you expect things to look after this long
0: Mm -hmm. I have been impressed with some of the small quality of life updates that they're adding. They're not necessarily bug fixes, but more like feature tweaks. Uh, Like last week, the the direction a rail faces, a single rail faces when you place it down is now based on which way you're facing, which it wasn't before. And for people that do Redstone, I would imagine when you're using a single rail to place down a minecart or to to create these very specific arrangements of of minecart tracks, I would imagine that's going to be... A lot easier people just haven't had a chance to build with it on mass in in their you know a a current world to kind of really see the oh yeah this is a lot easier and i'm hoping by the time this is all done that we're going to have a number of of features on that one big list where we can kind of look reference it and be like okay okay so all of this stuff has changed now um what was the one a few weeks ago oh the bed thing the setting your spawn in a bed without having to sleep in it like that Seems like such a small thing, but it's gonna change a lot, especially on multiplayer servers, right?
2: Yeah, it, it, it will. Uh, so I actually experienced this. Uh, you know, I'll let I'll let people behind the curtain a little bit. But when B Dubs was coming back, uh, you guys can probably remember him falling out of the sky over and over again, right? Um, <laughs> so him and I were getting ready to to do that clip, and it was like just morning time. And he was going to obviously die (laughs) and his spawn was somewhere far away. And so we had to basically hang out for 10 minutes, just, you know, I don't mind hanging out with B-Dubs. He's awesome. But we we had to just hang out for 10 minutes for it to become nighttime so he could sleep in a bed nearby to reset his spawn in order for us to move on with that clip. So it did cost us a little bit of time, even though it was well worth it talking to him. But, um, you know, this is going to help just that small quality of life tweak is is definitely going to help in those situations. That was a really I'm... funny clip, by the way. Yeah, yeah it was super, <laughs> super funny. Yeah, it was fun. I'm still interested
1: to see how they're going to figure out um, stuff, being able to set your spawn point in the nether, which is something they announced at Minecon. And speaking of Minecon, um, they, we have more segments of the Minecon live livestream being added to the Minecraft YouTube channel as individual videos. So for anyone who is still catching up on stuff from Minecon and is scrolling through that like, three-hour stream to try and find specific pieces of news, uh, they are still you know, editing some of that stuff into individual videos. Uh, there is one that's a a kind of documentary that Corey, one of the developers, did about uh, researching bees and bringing bees into the game, which was pretty funny. There's the usual kind of what, what we come to expect from Mojang now with the kind of the goofy videos of like, somebody's championing this one thing and they go out and meet the beekeepers and they're like, I have to live life as a bee for a day to really get inside the mind of the bee. Uh, <laughs> but I thought that was very charming, very fun. Um, but there's also uh sections of the live show that were about minecraft earth and minecraft dungeons which we touched on briefly last week but there are now individual segmented videos about those as well as well as a couple of developers talking about the creative tools they're bringing to minecraft bedrock edition with a forthcoming update so uh you guys can see a little bit more about that if you uh if you don't want to skim through the entire three hour video uh impulse what are you like looking forward to from what they announced at minecon, what were the highlights for you because it, oh. it's always fun to get everybody's opinions about this whenever a, a, a big update has been announced
2: yeah I was uh, there was a ton of stuff at, at minecon that was was announced that I got excited about um I got excited that that you know we were just talking about 1.15 and and they only added bees and and the hives and things like that and and they actually announced that they're not done completely and just focusing on bugs. it looks like they're gonna add honey blocks and yeah. so that may be coming soon i mean the big question is maybe we're going to see it even this week i have no idea how soon they're going to come but there's a lot of speculation on how honey blocks could potentially be used in a similar fashion as slime blocks but differently and how that would affect redstone mechanics because you know as a redstoner those are the kind of things i'm interested in of course there's other things that the gameplay wise that they could affect as far as parkour maps and and things of that nature but if obviously i'm Drawn to the the what can we do with it in redstone mm-hmm. <laughs> devices uh, situation, so I'm hoping to see those sometime soon. But there's uh, overall, I mean, I was actually really impressed with MineCon this year, MineCon Live. Uh, I had been kind of a naysayer ever since they shifted to the the live stream format. Um, you know, I was kind of uh, I didn't want to I didn't I didn't like it. <laughs> I loved the conventions, and so uh, I was kind of upset that they shifted to it. And so the first. You know what's it been now three has it been three yeah i think it's been three yeah Um, so like the first year i didn't watch it at all uh and and last year i tuned in um kind of haphazardly this year i tuned in fully i was i was drawn to it i sat down and and i thought all of it was great you you know they still had those pieces in there that you're kind of just like the game show stuff for me um but i can see why they do it right the the, to make sure that their younger audience is still engaged yeah it's it's for the kids it's for the kids yeah yeah, but they were also able to give us a lot of information about where they're going and you know the next big update. I was not expecting another uh, update. I was um, I was actually anticipating it was going to be more cave based. Mm-hmm. Um, we had seen some or heard some information about uh, the three d uh, chunk rendering that they were changing to with uh, Nembon, I think had had mentioned it. and so I thought, okay, maybe they're doing that. So we can get biomes uh, in the same, different biomes in the same chunk for caving reasons. Turns out it was probably for this this nether <laughs> update. But um, yeah, I mean there was just a, just a lot of great stuff. You know, I could, could we go on for ages. I don't know if we plan on going on for ages about all the different things that they announced. Yeah, we will.
1: We'll probably talk about that a little bit later in the show. But I think it's probably time for us to move on to chunk mail. We get listener emails every week, and we have a few of them here. We'll start off with one from Tyler who says uh i have been playing minecraft for a long time so the idea of a major nether update sounds amazing and very much needed i have mostly positive thoughts about the new mobs and trees coming to the nether however i want to know that if you feel that in the long run if the nether is just becoming like a variant of the overworld having more life and a food source in the nether is useful but will this stop the nether from being the barren wasteland of lava that it's commonly known as or will it just add to it? Thanks, Tyler. Thank you for your email, Tyler. I feel like it ties quite neatly into our previous discussion, (laughs) and I kind of wonder how frequent the biomes are going to be. Having now built one and how much it stands out, I kind of feel like having interesting life and biomes and stuff in the Nether could also affect the challenge of navigation, because right now in the Nether, there are no landmarks, so players have to place landmarks as they're exploring, and Anybody who's spent any time exploring, looking for a nether fortress, for example, will know it is very difficult to get lost if you don't know what you're doing. And aside from like coordinates and stuff like that, I suppose, biomes could change that, especially how much those blue Netherwart forests stand out. If you just think, well, there was one of those on my left as I was leaving my nether portal, so if I stick to that one when it's on the right on my way back, I'll know how to get home. Making them very sparse or very frequent, on the other hand, could be equally disorienting but it might make them less special as a result. So how do you guys feel about the about the nether? Do you think it's going to become more like the overworld with kind of more lush
0: environments and variety? For me, I think that it's going to improve the experience because right now it is a lava barren wasteland, which is what I don't like about it. It's why I don't spend a lot of time there unless I'm doing something like clear cutting a tunnel or doing a big farm. Like I tend to use it, to get other places i don't necessarily spend a lot of time there uh i think that one thing they could do to increase the we'll call it feel of these biomes uh in in that keeping it spooky and hard to navigate we don't know how big these biomes are going to be like if you enter in a what was it called a soul sand valley yeah and if that's huge you're going to be able to get turned around just in that let alone yeah. where you are in the Nether. So I don't know. That's one direction they could go with really large biomes. um I don't anticipate the the Nether Wart forests to be large. So I see what you mean about those kind of being like flagships of of um of uh, landmarks. But then again, <clears throat> excuse me, that could be the the whole idea. I mean, if you I don't know, but if we ask the player base why don't you play in the Nether more often, I would imagine a lot of people just like I don't like it. I get turned around. It's not fun. So. By adding these biomes and a little bit more reason to hang out in the Nether, maybe they're going to entice more players to spend more time there.
1: I'm interested to see if any of these new blocks end up being ghast proof though, because you can imagine just strolling into a blue netherwalk forest and going, "Oh, it's so beautiful! I could spend so much time here," and then just immediately fireballs <laughs> from <laughs> from the roof. So yeah. yeah, like all all of that lush flora and new stuff gone in an instant. Uh, how about you, Impulse? Are you are you liking the look of this stuff?
2: I do. I I, I like it a lot. I think I've typically don't spend a lot of time in the nether other than for farming purposes um, for for two reasons. One, it's it's just kind of boring, right? Everything just looks the same. They uh, got the red fog. Uh, and, and that's kind of the second reason why I don't spend a lot of time in there as a content creator. Uh, it doesn't come out on video very well uh, just because it's, it's kind of dark and dingy and, and just that red fog and everything like that. So ho- I'm hoping that with this update, it gives us a lot more visually stimulating things to look at and explore in the nether. So I would actually want to spend more time in there. But in the same aspect, you know, they're keeping the nether, that place of, you know, terror and death, and you're scared to be there. Uh, And I think it's kind of nice that they're adding in more hostile mobs in there. I think the piglin beast will attack you and even the, the new piglins if you're not wearing gold will attack you and and so imagine you're navigating the nether and you're next to lava or you're hanging off of the side of a cliff or something and you just get rammed by this piglin beast out of nowhere uh you know it could be it could be terrified and it kind of add to the adventure in a way uh so i i definitely think it's welcome you know looking at the soul sands uh what do they call it the soul sands Valley, uh, a valley. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that they changed that red fog to blue, and then there's like fire that's blue. I think that that change in color alone is going to make the Nether just so more uh, pleasant. You know, not pleasant in a in a like no, it's no longer terrifying, um, but to the eye, stimulating, mm-hmm. uh, pleasant. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I, and if you really analyze these screenshots that they're coming out with, um, you you can actually see there's more. Uh, different types of soul sand in that valley, you know, and then what is, you know, it'd be cool if this blue fire did something different than regular fire. Um, you know, I don't know what that would be. And just looking at some of these like nether forest blocks. Um, one thing I noticed straight away, at least in the video package was that like the trunk of these uh, nether big nether mushroom type things uh, were animated, right? So it kind of had this like veiny thing coming up through it that was kind of animated. And I thought it would be really cool of them to make it do something, you know, the fact that it's kind of animated makes it feel like it should. So like, if you ran into it, and it gave you just a bit of nausea, or something like that, you know, some sort of effect. And so you had to kind of avoid uh, touching the trunk of these things, or, or maybe, you know, the little grass that's coming out of the ground, uh, could potentially have some sort of effect, I think little fun things like that. I would really hope that they think about adding um, to make it more of an adventure, but I'm excited to see what they do for sure. There's a lot of color and the you know a lot of changes that are gonna happen in in things I didn't even think about. The navigation piece I didn't even think about. You guys talked about that. I I, I did not even think about that, but uh, I think it's gonna be really good, good update. I think it's going to be a neat
1: environment to put the new wither roses in as well because when we had those new flowers got added, the wither rose got added, it feels very much at home in the nether. It can be placed on netherrack and soul sand, but there hasn't really been a reason to start a garden with them or anything in the nether, but I feel like they could add a little bit of an interesting challenge like you say with something that you run into and you're not expecting to trip over it it gives you some sort of negative effect you can kind mm-hmm. of add to it in that way and also make wither roses slightly less difficult to farm although i guess the uh, the difficulty to farm is part of the appeal for some folks but yeah it seems like they are on the right track with that stuff and i'm really looking forward to seeing snapshots of that once we're done with the 1.15 snapshots thank you again tyler for your question and uh, I think let's, let's move on to just chatting with Impulse about stuff, because um, as I'm sure you guys are aware, Impulse is uh, a member of Hermitcraft server and is somebody who our community has been really interested for us to talk to for a while. In fact, I'm pretty sure we have an email from somebody in the community, if uh, Joel, you want to read that one?
0: sure yeah this is from cosmic dancer uh no stranger to all the people in our discord she's one of our mods uh hey guys i'd love to hear from impulse on how he balances and manages a full-time job family life and then still manages to put out such fantastic content in terms of videos and live streams does he plan things out on a set schedule or is it more of a it happens when it happens approach as always love 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 the podcast and the community stay chunky Sarah or Cosmic Dancer. Uh, this is something that I, I was the first thing that I, I put in the notes that I wanted to talk to Impulse about. So I, I'm curious about how you balance everything, Impulse. Sure.
2: First off, thank you, Cosmic, for for saying that uh, you enjoy my content. Appreciate that. Um, so I've mentioned this. I, I think I did a Q&A uh, video earlier in the season of and and I kind of addressed this a little bit. The number one thing for me, it comes down to one word, and that's schedule. So I live and die by a uh, schedule. Basically, my entire day, almost every day, um, aside from weekends, uh, are are scheduled to, you know, fifteen minute in- intervals, basically. So I know exactly when I'm gonna be going to my full-time day job. I know exactly when I'm gonna be recording you know, something for what, whether it's Hermitcraft or I have a recording session with Skizzleman. I know exactly when I'm going to be streaming. I know exactly when I'm going to be eating dinner. I know exactly when I'm going to be taking my kids to various activities that they do. And I also have, um, basically blocked time. That's just, it's, it's kind of sacred time. That's just, this is my family time and, and it does not get touched no matter what. Um, because there is a lot of give and take with trying to balance everything that I'm doing and so, you know, I try to make sure that uh, I'm still giving everybody and everything the attention that it needs. It's it's definitely, um, you know, things come up from time to time. You know, life happens, and you know, I'll be honest, I struggle when that when that happens when somebody throws a, me- a, a monkey wrench into what I had planned because everything is planned to the T. Uh, you know, sometimes it's it's a mental struggle to to accept that, but you know, you kind of have to learn to to roll with that. And you know, have a little more flexibility. You know, I mentioned it, uh, I think in the pre-show that, or maybe earlier in this show that uh, my hermitcraft this week uh, was a couple days later than I wanted it to be, and that's just because it came up, right? Uh, you know, life came up, and and my my full-time job got a, a little heavier than usual, and had to put more focus there. And so you have to be a little bit flexible, but at the same time, having that schedule and keeping that focus as well as you can inside of that schedule really does help and, and i wouldn't be able to do what i do uh without just having that up i mean i literally have it up on one of my monitors almost all the time I just this is what i'm doing next <laughs> so jump from one thing to another so nice. you're
1: using like uh, google calendar or something like that i yeah. imagine yeah okay
2: yep. google calendar Cause... is my savior <laughs> It's of, in my phone the...
1: it's on my screen it's everywhere one of the things my wife has been bugging me to do is get some kind of like practical real visual in like interface of some kind of just like a whiteboard on the wall or something that I can block out like okay I'm planning to be recording here and I feel like I because I tend to try and stick to a really rigid schedule right now I'm uploading a video the same time every day Monday through Friday and so it's a little bit less of like, you know, can I get stuff done within a certain time if not the video gets pushed back for release? It's more like, what can I get done before the release of this video? And so I I find more and more of my time drifting into, well I've got to go and record and like it's after dinner but I've still got to go and edit the video after that and I feel like, yeah, I need to stick to more of a schedule. So I I don't know if I can handle having it electronic though because I like to move myself out of that arena when i'm not specifically planning an episode or recording something i feel like having something up on the wall would work for me but ultimately it's whatever works for you right and if you're you know staring at a, a schedule constantly then that's uh, that's that's something that you can at least have around to remind yourself of when you're supposed to be doing stuff
2: yeah and one other one other tip that that i've had as well is it's great that you schedule you know okay these are the these are the three hours today i have to do x whatever it is but to plan what you're actually doing. So you don't sit down at the beginning of that three hours and say, Okay, what am I going to do, you, you've actually got it kind of planned out. And so I use, again, digital, a site called Trello. And it's, it's, it allows you to kind of like create these task cards. And, uh, you know, I'm from a developer background, I I did agile programming and scrum and this other all this stuff. So if anybody in the development space will kind of know what I'm talking about, but uh, able to kind of just define things in chunks and break them down. And so I can say, Okay, next episode of Hermitcraft, I'm going to do these three things or whatever it be. And so when I sit down and I say, it's right, time to record Hermitcraft. Okay, this is what I'm doing. It's right there. I do it. When it's done, I move the card over to done. And, you know, just having that little like check off, you know, this task is always kind of pleasing, it feels good to just check something off and know that you're done with it. And so, you know, schedule and planning, put those two things together. That's how I'm able to sem- stay semi-efficient, I guess.
0: I have lists. I have a, a small notebook that I bought at the dollar store that I just write down stuff. Uh, and and sometimes they get carried over from month to month. Other times they get checked off. It all depends on how important they are and what priority they are. You know, if it's web design on my own website, it's usually at the bottom of the list where client stuff is usually up a lot closer to the top. Um, but I do the same thing with the schedule. I use a different app, but I... I just basically have these chunks of time and I say, okay, well, I'm gonna be doing email for this half an hour every morning and then I'm gonna move on because if I don't, I will be there for two hours and I can't do that. You know, like I've gotta move on to different things, but I, I'm i guilty of that that thing where you say, well, I'm gonna do a stream and then I get there and it's like, well, what am I gonna work on? Especially if I'm not in the mood to work on a current large project like this fortress pharmacy. Well, I don't have any necessarily backup projects. Um, and I think that's maybe why this week I was spending so much time doing this like the the grindy stuff where it's like well i can be productive and i can at least say okay well the next time i stream i want to finish this tunnel so let's just knock out this small checklist of like concrete glass sand like just get that stuff out of the way first and when you start breaking things down into smaller chunks um big things in minecraft become a lot more manageable um to get back to what you're saying about family time out of curiosity are you the only minecrafter in the house like does playing minecraft and all the time that you put into content creation pull you away from family or are there times when you can actually hang out and, and do minecraft or, or other video games with with the family yeah,
2: yeah there's been kind of, kind of ebbs and flows for that for for me and my family but this all started um because of my son uh so seven years ago he would have been seven years old and uh he was starting to get into gaming right he was learning about the computers have games and and you know trying to figure out how to play them and all he was seeing was these like shooter games and as a parent and having a seven-year-old i was like i I don't really want him doing that yet you know Mm. i don't think he's he's ready for that and so i had a long talk with them and and i said you know what what are things that you enjoy doing and Or what do you want to be someday? And, you know, what are you drawn to? And he had mentioned architecture and that he he wanted to learn how to, to build houses and things like that. And so after talking to some buddies of mine at work and kind of bringing up this conundrum of, you know, Hey, I want to get my son into gaming, but I need something wholesome for him, you know, and, and kind of talking about architecture, uh, a buddy of mine said, Hey, have you heard about this new game called Minecraft? And it allows you to place blocks and build things. Maybe that's perfect for him. And, so I came home from from work that day and I sat down with him and we downloaded it and and uh he's fired it up and I sat next to him and mind you he's 7 right so he's pretty pretty young and he's trying to figure out how to play and I'm looking at it you know at, you know in my early 30s here and I'm like I don't know how to play either <laughs> you know this is confusing and so what do you do you know you you go to the internet and I searched YouTube and I think it was maybe Paul Soar's, uh, you know, survival guide uh, that I I first was was brought to and it kind of like how to get through your first night in Minecraft and uh, so went through those videos with him and started to learn together because he needed the help. And next thing you know, I was drawn to the game and I was purchasing my own copy. Um, And so him (laughs) and I, you know, we created a a world, you know, just on our LAN and and played in it together. And uh, I started to, uh, I get obsessed with things sometimes. <laughs> so I started to get obsessed with it and, and starting to play quite a bit and starting to watch a lot of YouTube. And I realized that uh, like most things, I'm I'm lazy and want to automate <laughs> everything. Uh, so I started getting into the automation and discovering, you know, videos of, of YouTubers like DocM and things like that. Um, but me and my son played quite a lot, uh, quite a lot together. My first let's play series was he was in it. Um, he, he, didn't have his own microphone. So, uh, he was, he would type in chat and I would voice modulate, uh, as if he was saying it as a cheetah <laughs> translator. It was pretty funny. Um, but eventually, you know, he kind of grew out of it or, or, you know, I, we, we parted ways, right. I had my own style, he had his own style and, and uh, we parted ways. Uh, he kind of comes and goes with that. My my youngest now, who is seven, is very much into playing on the tablet uh, and so creative style, but uh, she she loves designing houses and things. And uh, it's, it's amazing just to watch, you know, just to watch the different um, ways that kids play the game, you know, different from me. My son played different from me, and now my daughter's playing different from both of us. So there's many different ways to play the game. And um, we kind of have that kind of bond in the family. My wife, I never could get into it. (laughs) I I tried. I tried. She, she's an interior designer. And I was like, you would love this game because you have an eye for things that look good. Right. And she, the reason why I think she never got into it is because she knows she would be fully consumed and just gone all the time just in minecraft you know so uh, she was afraid to, to maybe take that step and fear that that's all she, her whole life would just turn into minecraft maybe i don't know
1: that is part of the reason my wife doesn't play more games she's really into tetris 99 on the switch right now and she'll play like a couple of matches of like competitive tetris which she's getting really good at by the way she's better than i am at this point um <laughs> but i think yeah she's too aware of the idea that like yes this could become an obsession this could so easily be like something I spend all my time doing and obviously like I have now got to the point where my obsession has turned into my reality and work and all kinds of other things besides and collaborations but uh, yeah she is a little bit she played with me for a charity live stream we did recently but she was also like yeah I can't see myself doing that all that much and i don't have any kids and i'm i'm wondering if i do have kids in future if they're going to grow up and like do that sort of kids rebel against their parents kind of thing where minecraft is just that one lame thing that dad does or if (laughs) minecraft is so universal at this point that they'll just get into it um when it comes to stuff like minecraft dungeons coming out is that something that you see playing with your kids or are you more likely to be doing it for content and you're playing it with other people that you already collaborate with
2: yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking that that's going to be something that my my kids will really get into. Um, it's a different style, right, than even I'm used to. I was never, uh, you know, Diablo or, you know, dungeon crawler type of game player. I've always been first-person shooter before, or first-person uh, gameplay. Before Minecraft, I did first-person shooter. so I've always kind of felt like my character was me um, out of my own eyes. So, you know, I do have interest in dungeons. I watched, you know, the clips on, on MineCon Live. I don't see me teaming up with my my kids unless they, they show interest. What I maybe can see coming out of that is uh, live stream content. Uh-huh. And if I can get together the what we call the Zitz team, it's ZF, Impulse, Tango, and Skizzleman, uh, since it is a four-player game, I think it would be really cool if the four of us could come together and, and maybe stream that game. I could see that definitely becoming a thing if I can pull that together. But I would I would love to team up with a few people and, and just play it for fun, Yeah, mainly.
1: I think it's super fun when you've already got like a team that you've worked with on stuff before like yeah like there's the zits crew and you just have like immediately whenever they're like there's a four player game come out you're like well i got three buddies let's do this like i i i have a a roster of of friends that i could probably pick from but there's not like a core group of us necessarily so yeah it's it's always exciting to hear when someone's like yep i got my squad all prepared like let's Let's get into this. But yeah, I can see it being more of a game that you'd live stream because it seems like the kind of thing that you'll just kind of bash through and it's not necessarily going to divide up into videos as reliably as something like regular Minecraft, where you're, you're kind of structuring the content yourself, like you're creating your own stuff. It's all about what you want to do in the game rather than what the game wants you to do. So uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, outside of that, thinking of the, uh, the other stuff that was announced at Minecon, are you planning to go to a Minecraft festival when that comes out next year? Because <laughs> you did say that you were quite keen on the in-person events, uh, even though yeah. the Minecon live stream eventually won you over. So Minecon festival in Orlando, Florida, 2020, are Correct. you
2: thinking about going? Absolutely. Yeah. The second they announced it, I think I sent out a tweet that I said, I will 100% be there. Yeah. Uh, and it and it kind of comes full circle because Orlando uh, what was it 2013 was the first minecon i ever went to um, cool. so uh, i started you know i created my youtube channel 7 years ago um it, yeah exactly pretty much exactly 7 years ago uh and so it was i was still fairly new you know to the whole the whole scene basically i was just just learning to be a youtube creator and tango and i had met at this point uh, which is a whole other story which we can go into some other time. But uh, so Tango and I had met, and we traveled to Orlando together and had just an absolute blast. Uh, y- you know, meeting some of the Mindcrack guys. Mindcrack was was huge at the time, uh, so we got a chance to meet them, hang out with some Zipcrowd guys, uh, and we had a great time there. And then uh, I could I didn't want to miss a Minecon ever after that. It, it was just such a good time. So I we flew all the way to London for uh, Minecon. In London, and we went to Anaheim. Of course, that was a short drive for us for Anaheim in <laughs> yeah. California in 2016. Uh, and th- there, we had you know we were on Hermitcraft at that point in time, so we we rented a house and had a bunch of hermits staying with us. You know, Mumbo was there, and uh, we had Iskall and Stress and a whole bunch of hermits just, just hanging oh, out in the wow. house, having a good time. And so uh, you know, Skizzleman was there. It, it, we just had such a good time uh, that that's why I think when afterwards, when they said you know we're we're done with these in person Minecons. I was so upset because we just came off of the best time, the best weekend of our lives uh, in Anaheim. And so when they announced that we're we're coming back and we're going to be in Orlando in, in 2020, I I've already got I've i immediately told my family I know exactly where I'm going to be in a year from now. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's that's so, that's going on that's going on the Google calendar immediately, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will not miss that and I think uh, a number of hermits have said the same. Man has said the same. We're all going. And yeah. so I'm super excited. That was probably all the things they announced at, at the minecon live that was probably the number one thing for me, also awesome. that, that was just yeah. got me totally excited
1: yes well uh we we are kind of like throwing around the idea of doing some sort of episode of the spawn chunks from minecon if Joel and I can make it. I definitely want to attend. But I, I would love to do some sort of thing where even if we don't record like a formal episode, we could just take like a, a dictaphone kind of tape recorder kind of thing around and just get little interview pieces with individual people, like little five-minute segments or something like that. So I imagine we can brainstorm all kinds of ideas for that. But yes, we will we will see you at Minecon Festival, hopefully. That's we will, awesome. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Speaking of one more thing that came out of Minecon that we didn't really touch on all that much last week that I really wanted to get in with somebody who is more familiar with Redstone is more or less one of the first things they announced when um, Jeb and Lady Agnes got up on stage to do their big presentation about the Nether update. The first thing they said was before all that, we have this target block we want to show you. And so there's this new redstone input device where you fire an arrow at it and the closer you are to the center, the greater a redstone signal it produces. How do you feel about that? Uh, Does it seem, because in in my point of view, it it seemed a little bit weird to add something that required precision of shooting when arrows in Minecraft naturally have this slight (laughs) randomness to the way they fire. And so I don't know if you're going to be able to get a precise redstone signal out of it if you want that but what uses spring to mind uh for you for for this target block
2: yeah immediately when i saw it i thought it, it, if it's being used in a minigame uh because mini games in a lot of ways are a mix uh, at least the like the minigames i like doing uh are a mix of skill and competition and randomness uh so adding that bit of randomness to something that could be used in a mini, minigame i actually like it made me think of um i think I don't know if it was season, I was probably season four where I worked on a mini game for false symmetry, where you had to fire your arrows and hit buttons from afar. And there was kind of scattered around and hidden and you had to get all of them, you know, in in an amount of time to to get a prize. Something easily could be replaced with the target block. You know, we replace those buttons with a target block and now make it so that you have to hit the bullseye on all of them in order to win the game. Now you've just kind of made it that much harder um and then again like you said there's a bit of randomness too that uh, it could add to some frustration which is sometimes fun as well but yeah uh, it, and then you know it, it is there's things we don't know about it is the target block movable by be a piston can can we like you know make it a moving target that would be kind of cool oh uh, i hadn't you know, even so... thought about that that's <laughs> that,
1: that's a that's got potential
2: yeah yeah so i like i like that they're they're doing stuff like that you know it didn't immediately i didn't immediately think oh this is going to be so useful in xyz redstone device i thought oh this could just be fun for mini games but hey you never know i mean when you get these things in the hands of of you know brilliant minds like Mango or nimba maybe they'll figure out a way to make it useful in a redstone mechanic i have no idea pretty soon target blocks are just going to be running the show we'll see
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm curious uh refresh my memory if either one of you know uh impulse you might be able to, to answer this if you shoot A Regular block with an arrow and then move that block with a sticky piston. Does the arrow not fall off of it? I Think it does yeah, or if you because because for for a
2: split second it becomes block 36 or whatever Yeah, uh, it's it's basically gonna fall Yeah, at that point So so so
0: you could essentially shoot uh, a target block if the target block operates the same way and can be moved with the piston Then you could shoot a target block and then move it with a piston to clear the arrow or arrows Mm -hmm. off of it quite quickly Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that. uh, Yeah. Potential, potential, potential. I just like the idea of like running towards, uh, my, my base and just shooting a target with an arrow and having to open a door (laughs) rather than having to (laughs) press a button or like whatever, you know, I, I think that's, that's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah.
1: But Hermitcraft has been quite focused on minigames lately. Um, and it's a topic we actually covered on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, building entertainment for yourself or for other people in Minecraft. Um, so what makes a good survival mini game for you impulse is there anything else that you feel like Mojang could add to improve survival mini games or make them more accessible or is it just down to the individual person's creativity? do you think
2: yeah I mean I think that that you know we have different styles of making minigames. you know for me i like I said, I like kind of the skill l- skill and luck in competition you know those three, those are my trifecta if you will of a mini game and you know, some other people like to do puzzlers, you know, I don't know if you guys ever saw tangos, uh, Tangler, uh, it, but something even like Cleo just did with the escape room. Yeah. Puzzlers are another style of mini game that, uh, I've never done because I'm just, I just can't, uh, fathom how they even come up with this stuff. To be honest, I'm just not on that level. But, um, for me, the way I like doing mini games is, you know, to have that bit of skill involved. And so the target block was a good addition. I used to have this game uh, that I called derailed and I've, I think I've made it twice now in my my YouTube career. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it again uh, with, and get away with that. But um, it, it would launch minecarts into the air and you would have to shoot them out of the air with with your arrow and it would uh, get collected in a hopper. And so you can understand if it would get a point or, or whatnot in order to make that happen. The only reason I was able to make that happen was because you break the minecart and it falls into a hopper and then it can go back into a dispenser, which dispenses the minecart out for the next person or the next round. Um, there's, to me, not enough ways to do that. Uh, you know, we have boats that, and minecarts basically, and and I can't think of what else is able to come out of a dispenser and get placed. So if if they were to make changes to maybe an armor stand could come yeah. out, then we could have that same type of game. But in armor stand style and you can you can dispense you know clothes you know armor onto the armor stand they have that function in the game you so are imagine
1: you are 100 percent speaking my language right now i've <laughs> wanted them to do this for so long and i actually had somebody make a data pack for me that allowed armor stands to be dispensed Oh, and wow. it it really is kind of great because you can use them as like moving targets you can then put them in minecarts and have them travel across the room and like you can break armor stands using arrows and there's there's so much stuff like that that you can you can do everything except put them back into the world and dispensers are already able to place a lot of other like entities and stuff so armor stands just feels like a logical step to me for that but uh yeah, yeah still still moyang continues to frustrate me shakes fist at sky <laughs> but yeah no I, I i entirely agree and i think those would make a a really neat like um kind of target practice minigame
2: that kind of thing would be would be super easy with armor stands yeah i think that'd be a lot of fun and anywhere else they could kind of make make those kind of decisions would be nice you know i haven't thought through any others other than the armor stand one but i'm sure there's other places in the game where they could do the same type of thing
1: Definitely. Well, we'll have to wait and see if they have any more Redstone surprises for us in forthcoming updates.
0: Keeping on a, on a technical track, we've mentioned data packs a couple of times. And I'm curious, because you're you know such a technical-minded player, Impulse, do you have any uh, data packs that are like your go-to outside of like the ones that are already kind of pre-installed on, on Hermitcraft? Or do you have any ideas for data packs that you're working on?
2: No, I, I guess for me, it's quality of life stuff. Uh, anytime a data pack can provide something that's just quality of life, like the one player sleeping, um, the, the Enderman griefing, the, you know, things like that. I think those are are pretty necessary when it comes to having a multiplayer server. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure my, my patron server has a lot of those quality of life, you know, enhancements as well. So you know, it makes you wonder at some point, like how come they don't just become part of the core game? But, you know, I think they're definitely needed when you're in these environments. But for me, also, quality of life is inventory management. I think the game is just really struggling with inventory management right now. We've had the same inventory, the same hotbar forever, but yet they've added how many blocks to the game? How many items? And, you know, it, it becomes a struggle. We've got shulker boxes. That was great. But how many times do I find myself with an inventory full of shulker boxes and I have to literally set every shulker box down on the ground to see what's in it. And, you know, Azuma discovered lately that there was this data pack that would allow you to just hover over and see that. And so that to me is like necessary, you know, that becomes necessary. I don't know why I haven't installed it yet, but I'm just been lazy <laughs> about that. But you know, once I get my hands on that, I'm never turning back. And you know, those kind of data packs that are going to. Make your life in game easier without unbalancing the game. Those are the, you know you got to be careful sometimes because data packs can go too far and and all of a sudden you got this game that's been carefully balanced over the years um, easily you know set a, a, a skew from from that balancing through data packs. So I would you know advise to steer clear of some of those things. But quality of life stuff I think is is something that they should look at uh, internally at, at Mojang and say. Maybe this is actually something that could be useful for everybody, you know, like the sugar box thing.
0: Yeah, I find for me, it's a time management thing. And that's where I get sucked into these little fence sitting data packs. Like, for example, it was very easy for me to kind of use, I can't remember the name of the tool, but it's a website where you can go and kind of create your own recipe data pack. And... The frustrating thing that I discovered, or at least was reminded of, is not like I I didn't know, but I was smelting a lot of netherrack and realized, wait a minute, I have blast furnaces. Surely a blast furnace can smelt netherrack. Nope, not at all. And, you know, <laughs> to, it's easy to make a data pack that just allows a blast furnace to smelt netherrack twice as fast as a furnace as you would expect it to function. I haven't installed the data pack, though, because I'm still like, is this cheaty? Like, is this... I feel like I'm on the fence with that kind of stuff. But then, like you said, with multiplayer sleep and Enderman griefing and the stuff that affects multiplayer servers, it it almost, you know, especially for content creators, it becomes essential, you know, for for that kind yeah. of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's a difficult balance uh, being where we are, right? Content crea- creators, because the more we add to the game ourselves, the, the bigger uh, rift we have from the game that our viewers know and love. And so when they see us doing something on Hermitcraft that's be- only available because of a data pack, uh, maybe the armor stands uh, the you know, things we're doing with armor stands. I can imagine the confusion from the the viewer base. You know, well, I can't do that in my game. Where do I get that book? You know, there's probably a lot of questions that get asked. So anytime we're faced with a discussion of, do we put this data pack on Hermitcraft or not? We have to keep that in mind, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't want to create more confusion for the viewers going that doesn't work for me you know <laughs> mm-hmm. so or just sheer confusion of what's happening here I'm not, i've i never seen that before so it's, it's, a, it's a it's a careful balance that you have to have
1: it's part of the reason i've stayed away from doing heavy stuff with data packs on the minecraft survival guide series is just i would love to do all of the stuff say like zombie cleo does on hermitcraft with all of the armor stand decorations and having items placed on shelves and all of that kind of stuff but Ultimately, that just takes you away from the stuff that it's possible for people to do if they're playing on, like, a tablet on Bedrock Edition or on their consoles or whatever, mm-hmm. or if they're people who just don't know where to go and find that stuff. It becomes like it drifts away from what people consider the vanilla game at that point. And we still don't really have a term to talk about what vanilla with data packs is because it's not quite modded, but people don't think of it as vanilla or default anymore either. So. It's uh, it's an interesting time. I think it's uh, we're starting to walk that line of at what point can we still call this vanilla Minecraft?
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I the one data pack that I have on on the Citadel, which is obvious and i think this is where i I like to have them on here it's like the ones that are very obvious where people will not get confused is the the chuck chucks tables and chairs because they just that just does not exist (laughs) you know in minecraft if anything it might lead someone to ask me if i'm playing modded minecraft the fact that there's an actual chair or table you know modeled in the game but at least for me it it you know when i'm streaming i can at least answer those questions right away it's like oh we know sorry it's a data pack here's a link for it blah 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 but i i find that um i've had the same experience because i and i know that um, something I really appreciated in your uh, Skyblocks sk- series recently and with with Skizzleman is that you guys have a couple of data packs for drops in order to progress the Skyblock game with, I think it's husks are dropping sand and zombies have a chance to drop gravel and stuff like that. But you guys are very clear about like, not just in one episode, but in multiple episodes of the first, you know, few of the series, reminding viewers, hey, we have a data pack installed for this. That's Mm -hmm. why we're able to do that. And I feel like most people on Hermitcraft that I watch are pretty good about that too. Like if they pick up that armor stand book, they'll make some joke about like, I've never used this before. And this is a data pack that we have. And I find it, it most of the time, it's pretty clear. Um, but also we all, we know, we know the internet in, in large just doesn't read the comments or, <laughs> the, you yeah. know, dig deep dive into that kind of stuff. And that stuff could be missed. Um, I know we have to wrap this up, but one of the things that I wanted to, to ask you, uh, is that you are currently streaming on Twitch. We brought this up at the beginning of the, of the show and you're, you're a, not approved for partner, but you're applying for partner. But mm-hmm. previously you worked, uh, or in stream, not worked, but you streamed on Mixer. Uh, are you able to elaborate at all on the reasons for coming back?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I was originally a Twitch person, I never got partnered on Twitch in in the beginning. But uh, when I first became a content creator, I was on Twitch for many years. And uh, when Mixer came about, I I liked what I saw there for sure. Uh, I had actually applied for partnership on Twitch at the time that Mixer came about and was denied. Of course, you know, back then I was much, much smaller content creator. So I, I can kind of see the reasons why they would uh, deny that application at that time. But when Mixer came along, I decided to to check that out, and and I was really drawn to it by you know the the low latency as far as being able to have your interactions with your viewers, and uh, also having the uh, interactive streams. You know, Tango and I did a lot with that with a series we called Rule Our World, uh, and so I really did enjoy things on Mixer for four and a half years. Uh, Mixer's great. I have nothing but great things to say about the platform in general. Um, you know, their downfall, I guess, was, is, is that, they're, they're, you know, they're always going to be fighting uh, this, who are you? <laughs> you know, like uh, everybody knows Twitch, right? Been around for a long time and, and, and Mixer's still growing. And I think, I really do think they're going to continue to grow uh, and become a name in the industry. Um, however, it, it was an impacting me in, in a negative way uh, because it was more of a perception thing. So the Hermits, for the most part, all stream on Twitch. And so when we do things like the Hermitcraft stream days, um, what would happen was, and I saw this firsthand the last time I did a Hermitcraft stream day, is everybody's happy on Twitch. They're passing the baton, all the Hermit to Hermit. And then when it came my turn uh, to get the baton passed for my stream, we lost like two thirds of the viewership Wow! on that that switch from Twitch to Mixer. And I think the main reason was, it's just a perception thing. It, It was... I don't want to have to go to this other website um i don't like mixer because it's not twitch people getting you know people are easily like uh, set up their camp and they're going to stay yeah. in their camp and they're going to defend their camp There's um, this is like platform
1: loyalty is this exactly kind of construct that people have around these websites like youtube and so forth being the same yeah thing. yeah
2: yeah exactly and and for me it was it was you know one streaming platform is a streaming platform and the other is a streaming platform they're they're providing the same content now, you know, their interface may be different. There may be a, bit, a little bit of different look and feel. They have their different features. Um, both have a great set of features, uh, you know, and, and and have, you know, their pluses and minuses like anything. So for me, it was just a, uh, the reason for making the switch for me was I did not like dividing our viewership that way. I didn't like making them choose. And so I said, you know, I want to be more part of these these live streams, these stream days. I want to be able to have more interaction with the other hermits on stream uh and be able to raid them and, and vice versa and I really felt like that would be a good opportunity for me to to grow. I mean, you know, Mixer's ceiling obviously being a smaller platform was a, a lot lower than Twitch's as well. So to be able to kind of come over and be more part of the uh Hermitcraft team that's established on Twitch made sense for me and also at the same time kind of raised the ceiling. I mean, uh, I've, I've been met with open arms on, on Twitch, you know, I'm, I'm basically, uh, built a, a community up already in a matter of, of weeks and, you know, I was affiliate already. So I was able to get subscribers and things like that. And now it looks like I'm heading towards partnership. So, uh, hopefully that'll happen very soon. But, uh, you know, I, I've, again, nothing, nothing negative to say about either platform. I, I think they're both, con- you know, tremendous platforms for streaming on. It just made more sense for me to be with my fellow hermits.
1: Of course, yeah. And I think it's great that you're able to make a decision like that that both benefits you as a creator and the business side of things, but also means you're more in touch with the community that's at the heart of everything, which is, you know, by by having everybody be able to come straight over to you, like everybody raids each other on Twitch and there's like built-in infrastructure for that. So you're just making it easier for people to come and find you and find their next favorite content creator and that kind of stuff. So that is super cool all right uh i think we are going to have to cut off the discussion there much as it has been amazing to chat to you impulse and there will be a little bit of extra chat in the post show for our patrons but uh thank you so much once again for joining us on this episode of the spawn chunks where can people go if they want to find out more about you and what you do
2: obviously uh, the main thing is my youtube channel so uh, we just recently hit three hundred thousand subscribers which is crazy to think (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, you can find me at youtube.com slash impulse SV. Pretty much everything I have is slash impulse SV. So, Twitter, uh, twitch.tv slash impulse SV now that we talked about. Uh, and also, I have this one people don't know a lot about is I do have a second channel, impulse SV2, the number two not spelled out. Uh, and that is where I typically will upload uh, replays of the streams. So, people that uh, would rather watch replays on YouTube versus Twitch can go there and if I do any other random stuff that uh, I don't feel like belongs on my my main channel that's kind of where that stuff will go so I, I have that second channel as well that's pretty much it you can find me yeah impulse SV pretty much everywhere awesome tweet this man he is he is going places <laughs> go watch him
1: on twitch anyway uh that's going to wrap up another episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show links to some of the stuff we've talked about today and all of impulse's links as well at our show notes page on thespawnchunks.com. the music for the show was composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you get some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join the community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat you can join our community which currently has 121 patrons we are up from last week once again thank you so much to everybody who has got on board in the last little while and special thanks go to our content engineer patrons Cameron Sigelski, JD
0: Williamson Lamas, and Yitz for their support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. But personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends. Poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, this is really cool. They had impulse on their show. Go listen to it. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify, and on YouTube. And of course, the RSS feed is on thespawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. And that's where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Rifts, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com
1: uh, slash <laughs> where I attempt to pronounce my own name correctly, and also do a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for that series, and I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside
0: from that, I'm at Rifts on both Twitter
1: and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you
0: online? Everything that I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. That's including my illustration and design portfolio. If you'd like to hire me, just drop me a line through the site. Look for me later this month at HalCon. It's a big sci-fi and fantasy convention here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm going to be doing a podcast this Wednesday with my friend Lou called The Citadel Cafe, where I talk about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. Lou is also big into indie games, so if you like video games, you might want to check out this episode. You can follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all just my name. I am super easy to find. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside
1: is infinite. Be more impulsive.